tonight, if you would, to please open your Bible to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 22, Proverbs chapter 22. Uh, yesterday, we went all over the Bible and in the, in the morning service, and then uh, in the evening, we covered pretty much uh, a whole chapter in the Bible. Tonight, we're going to look at one verse. That's, that's all, just one verse. And by the way, Brother Joe, uh, a couple of folks mentioned they couldn't hear me well last night, so if you could give me a little more volume without uh, causing it to ring or anything of that nature, you, you know, that'd be great. I'd appreciate that. All right, Proverbs chapter 22, if you'll open there. In 1976, the bicentennial year of our nation, that happened to be the year that my wife and I were uh, dating, uh, falling in love. That was the year we, uh, we got engaged. That's the year we got married. I was, at the time, working at the bus garage that our church owned and operated. We owned, at the time, 215 buses. You know, your church gave away one bus last night. Uh, we had 215 buses. We had 14 full-time mechanics. We had 12 part-time mechanics. My job at the bus garage literally was to sweep the floor. That was, that was my job at the bus garage. But later on, I got a promotion, and in, in addition to sweeping the floor, they also let me fuel the buses. And then later on, I got another promotion, and I uh, not only swept the floor and fueled the buses, but I changed the oil in the buses. I was making $2 an hour. I was working 40 hours a week. My gross pay was $80 a week. I don't remember exactly what I brought home, but it was considerably less than $80 a week uh, at the time. So, of course, my wife and I had gotten engaged, and so I needed uh, a, an engagement ring and, and, and a wedding band. And so I went to the little jewelry store downtown East Chicago. You remember that town, the little town next town over from, uh, from Hammond in East Chicago? I went downtown East Chicago, found a little jewelry store, and I went in and I found a engagement ring and a wedding band set now <laughs> this is hard to believe today but it, and it was gold <laughs> at least it was gold colored <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, I believe it was gold and it even had a diamond in it uh, yet you had to look close to see it but it was there but the total for two rings set $73 is what what it cost for <laughs> for those wedding rings so I put down $10 and paid $10 a week to pay off the, the wedding set. We got married. I, I gave the rings to my wife. We got married. She acted very appreciative. She, she acted as if she just loved them and was thrilled to have them. But after we'd been married a couple of years, I said to her, you know, I was doing the best I could at the time, and, and, and uh, so now I'd like to go back and sort of redo it and and I want to get you a nicer set of wedding rings now. So let's go to the store and let's pick out some nicer ones. And we'll put them on layaway and we'll pay them off. And she just absolutely refused. Just no way. She wasn't going to have it. These are my wedding bands. These are my wedding rings. And, and I don't want any others. And this is, this, this is uh, what I want. A few years later, we had been married a few years. I don't remember exactly how many. Three, four, five, six years. I don't remember. And I was speaking in a meeting like, like this. I was out speaking somewhere uh, uh, on a, a Monday and Tuesday. And uh, the youth pastor at the church, he was part-time salary at the church, but he managed a jewelry store in a mall. 
And so he took me down to the mall, took me to the jewelry store, and he said, I want to do you a favor. He said, I want you to pick out any piece of jewelry in the jewelry store that you would like to have for your wife. He said, pick out something for your wife. And he said, I'm going to sell it to you at exactly what it costs the store to, to, to buy it. He said, so pick out what you want. So I looked around. I found a nice gold ring with some diamonds in it. You could see these diamonds. <laughs> the first one, it was hard to see, but you could see these. There was, a, there was several of them there, uh, medium-sized diamonds. And at, this was about, this was the early 1980s. And the ring cost the store, uh, he showed me the receipt, the ring cost $480 in, in the early 80s. I don't know what it would have retailed for, 1000 I don't know, 800 1500 I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how much they mark up jewelry or did back then. And, but I bought that ring. I brought it home. I was excited. I was going to give it to my wife. I thought, finally, I'll get those little what I consider to be kind of cheap rings uh, off her finger because and, and, it was always kind of embarrassing to me that she wore those. And So I was expecting her to take those off and put this nice ring on. But she wouldn't take them off. <laughs> she added the new ring to the old rings, and now she wore all three of them. But, you know, even though I tried my best to give her a better gift than the first one, the Bible tells me that there is a much better gift, far better gift that I could give my wife or you could give your spouse or you could give your friend or you could give your pastor or you could give your family member, a parent or brother or sister or friend our co-worker, look in Proverbs chapter 22, and I'm going to read verse 1. Proverbs 22, 1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. That verse is telling me that a better gift than a gold ring a better gift than uh, a diamond ring is a good name. A few years ago, I don't remember exactly how many, eight, nine, ten years ago, somewhere along in there, my wife and I were at a meeting together, at this, this particular meeting I'm speaking of now. It was up in Michigan, and the man who helped Brother Hiles start Hiles Anderson College, Russell Anderson, He's a wealthy man. He, he gave the original money to start the college. He was allowing my wife and me to stay in one of his lakefront condominiums. There's a big lake there in that part of Michigan, and there's a big row of condominiums there, and he owned some of those condominiums. And one of them he personally used for special occasions. It wasn't the house he lived in, but he used it for special occasions. He lived a little distance from there. And he was letting my wife and I stay in that condominium while we were there speaking in that meeting. It was a beautiful place. I was sitting at the uh, dining room table. There was big plate glass windows, uh, doors in front of you there. I think about four or six sets of doors. And, and it looked out over a balcony that looked out over the lake. And, and, uh, and, and there was an open concept where I was in the dining room and the kitchen was behind me. And over here was what you'd call the living room. But it was all, it was open, kind of like, like this room right here. And I was sitting at the table, and I was working. I had my briefcase out and was doing my administrative work from the college. And my wife was sitting in the other room, but we could see each other. And she was 
uh, sitting on the couch reading her Bible. And suddenly she said, can I interrupt you for a minute to tell you something that I appreciate about you? And all of a sudden, I had all the time in the world she needed. <laughs> I was ready to listen. <laughs> and she said, in the 30-something years we had been married at that particular time, we've been married 46 now, she said, uh, she said, in the 30-something years we've been married, surely there's been some things about me that you didn't prefer. She said, but what I appreciate is I've never heard you get up in public and use any of the things about me that you didn't prefer as an illustration in front of other people. Now, she wasn't there the time. that we were in chapel one day at the college, and the activities director got up, Bill McSpadden, you remember him? Uh, no, no, it wasn't Bill McSpadden, it was the other one, um, Dan Wolf. Dan Wolf. Dan Wolf got up, the, the activities director, and he said to the students, he said, there's a brand new roller coaster at uh, Six Flags Over America, kind of like uh, Knoxbury Farm, a big place up north of, side of Chicago. And he said, uh, it's supposed to be the, 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 the scariest roller coaster in the world. He said, we're going to take all the students who want to go and go to Six Flags over uh, uh, Great America. And he said, uh, you'll get to ride the scariest roller coaster in the world. And he said, it only costs you $25. He's a group rate. We'll get into all. And he promoted it real big. And I got up after him and I said, if you want to be scared, I can save you $25. Just come home and eat supper with me tonight. <laughs> Now, my wife is a great cook, and that's the only reason I would say something like that. But, but, uh, she, but she said she had never heard me <laughs> use her as a, uh, an illustration about something I didn't prefer. She went back to reading her Bible after she said that, and she thought I went back to work. <laughs> but I didn't. I got out a piece of paper, had one of those little tablets that they used to put on the, uh, uh, in the hotel rooms, you know, one, one of those that I had stolen and put in my briefcase. <laughs> I got out one of those little tablets, and I wrote down the 14 reasons I don't tell others the negative things about my wife. When I finished writing them down, I said to her, now can I interrupt you for a minute? <laughs> I want to read to you the 14 reasons why I don't tell people anything negative about you. And she said, oh, I could have saved you a lot of time. There's not 14 reasons. There's just one because I don't have anything negative about me. <laughs> but I'm, tonight what I'm going to do is I'm just going to quickly read the 14 things that I wrote down sitting there at that kitchen table, at that dining room table that day. And you know the 14 things that I wrote down that day would improve any uh, husband-wife relationship. It would improve any brother-sister relationship. It would improve any brother-brother relationship. It would improve any parent-child relationship, child-parent relationship. It would improve any co-worker relationship. It would improve your relationship with your pastor, your Sunday school teacher, your choir director, uh, your neighbor, uh, your relative. 14 reasons why at that particular time I was thinking 
I don't tell people negative things about my wife. Let me read them for you quickly. Uh, it won't take as long as it sounds like, but I'll just read them for you quickly. Number one, I, I wrote down that uh, uh, I do not tell people negative things about my wife. Number one, because she deserves better. She just deserves better than for me to do that. Uh, I mean, uh, in fact, so does your spouse, and so does your friend, and so does your coworker, and so does you fill in the blank. She just deserves better than that. Number two, I wrote down, for every one weakness she has, she has probably about a dozen strengths. And so I choose to emphasize her strengths and by the way, it is a choice. I choose to emphasize her strength. Okay, yes, I talk about my wife. <laughs> we, we all talk about each other. And so if I wanted to, I could pick out something negative to say about her. But if I wanted to, I could pick out something positive to say. And so I choose to pick out the positive instead of the negative. You know, for every weakness she has, she has... Uh, more uh, strengths. Yeah, for, for example, I'll just give just, just ex uh, some examples. When, when we were rearing our children, I noticed that every single night she could not go to bed until she had checked on everybody's emotions in the family. She had to study and, 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 and guard and, and repair and fix and nurture every person's emotions and get them in the right place before she could go lay down and relax and go to sleep. Uh, I would noticed uh, uh, about her that she's an excellent teacher. She teaches at her college. Uh, I may have told you this before, but, but back when I was the president and I was there every day, I would go out in the hallway between classes, and I would shake hands with the students uh, every day, several times a day, and just check on their spirit around the college. And sometimes I'd pass by her classroom as she was finishing teaching, and the girls would be coming out of the class weeping. And, 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 uh, and I asked her one time, I said, how is it after all these years you're still so passionate about what you teach? And she said, well, uh, the girls, uh, when I teach them, I look at them as if they might be one of my own daughters. And she said, so I pour my heart into them. And she said, and she said in every class, there's always one or two girls that sit right down front, and they get their notebook out, and they look at me with that look that says, please teach me something. And she said, I focus on them. And, you know, she's, she's an a, a excellent teacher. Uh, she uh, she's consistent. She was uh, a secretary at the church for 24 years uh, before they moved her out to the college, and now she's been teaching at the college for uh, over 20 years. Uh, 35 years she taught a Sunday school class, same class, 35 years. She's been married to me 46 years. She's been a member of First Baptist Church for 55 years. Uh, she's consistent. Uh, she's loyal. She's been loyal to every one of our pastors. She's an excellent decorator. She teaches home decorating at our college, and, and at our home, uh, everything is immaculately decorated. And there's not just something pretty. There's a reason for each thing. There's a thing there. Uh, she's uh, she's very affectionate. Uh, she's always appropriately dressed. Not one time in 46 years has my wife ever gone out of the house uh, dressed in such a way that it embarrassed me. I've never, I've never one time uh, been disappointed in the way she looked when she went out of the house. Now, I've been disappointed a time or two at the way she looked at me when we were out of the house. 
<laughs> like, I remember one night we were coming out of church on a Sunday night and Brother Hiles had just paid several hundred thousand dollars to re-asphalt our entire parking lots because they all had little dips in them and the water wouldn't catch there you know when it rained and he wanted to get rid of them and first time that we it rained it was on a Sunday we came out of church on Sunday night and there's some little puddles of water in the brand new parking lot and the street light was on you know and it and, and you could just barely see the little puddle of water there and I thought the puddle of water was maybe that deep it was about this deep <laughs> and I said as we walked past it I said to my wife Boy, Brother Hiles is going to be disappointed. She said, why? I said, look at that puddle of water. She said, where? I said, right there. And I went, <laughs> and every drop of water in that puddle went right in her face. <laughs> I was so glad we were on the way home and not on the way to church. And, and I was disappointed in the way she looked at me that night. <laughs> but I've never been disappointed in the way she looked when we, she went out, out of the house. Uh, our house is always clean and neat and organized. Uh, uh, she's a tremendous speaker at, at ladies' meetings. Uh, she's a great communicator. She taught all three of our daughters how to communicate. She, uh, she had three little teapots, little ceramic teapots and cups that go with it. And, she would, and, and every week she had three tea parties. One night she would put two of the girls in bed and leave the third one up 20 minutes longer than the other two. She'd get her teapot down. They'd have tea and cookies, and she would talk to her and teach her how to talk and so forth. The next night, the next daughter. And, and so uh, I, I could go on and on, and, and I won't, but for every weakness she has uh, uh, more strength. So why should I emphasize one weakness when she has ten streaks? Uh, strengths to number three uh, the third reason I, I don't tell people uh, uh, negative things about my wife if I talk about her weakness I reveal my weakness to not be able to deal with her weakness by myself <laughs> you know when I go around telling everybody else oh my wife's terrible she does this and she does this and she does this you know what I'm saying is I can't handle it <laughs> can you please help me <laughs> And so I'm not really revealing her weakness. I'm revealing my weakness when I talk about her weakness. So that's the third thing I wrote down. Number four, the fourth thing is uh, no, one who, yeah, no one who is hearing me talk about her weakness can do anything to help me anyway. Nobody's going to go home with me tonight and help me. <laughs> you know, you know I, I, can be, I could get up in front of a church and tell them about my wife's weaknesses. I could be standing around at a ball game telling all my buddies about my wife's weakness. Uh, uh, I could be at work telling the guys about But not a one of them is going to go home with me tonight and help me straighten out any of it. So why tell them? Number five, very few people who hear me tell her weaknesses care enough to want to help none of them can help and very few of them care enough to want to number six if it's a situation where I'm speaking to an audience that who came to hear me speak and I get up and talk about my wife's weaknesses so that everybody will feel sorry for me what I'm doing is I'm using the audience to my advantage instead of trying to help the audience and so that was that was one reason I wrote down number seven Every time I've heard someone criticize their spouse, I felt sorry for the spouse who was being criticized, not the one who was speaking. So, I, I, you know, so, okay, number eight, 
Every time I've heard someone criticize their spouse, uh, uh, I thought less of the person speaking, not more. You know, if somebody comes up to me and starts griping about their boss or griping about their brother or griping about their spouse or griping about their pastor, I don't, I rarely ever feel sorry for the person who's griping to me. I think less of the person who's griping to me. Now, that may be a weakness on my part, but it's a true fact, and I suspicion other people have some of that uh, or that way also. Number, uh, number nine, no one enjoys hearing it. You know, if, if, okay, I spend quite a bit of time with your pastor when I'm here, which I enjoy every second of, but suppose I came in here tonight and started telling you about all the mess I had to put up with. Uh, I had to spend time with your pastor, uh, and uh, he was late picking me up, which he wasn't, but, uh, 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 you, you know, uh, uh, he took me to a restaurant that I didn't enjoy, which he didn't. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, but, but, you know, suppose I come in here tonight, and I'm telling you all these negative things that uh, you wouldn't enjoy that. You wouldn't go home tonight and say, man, wasn't that fun going to church and hearing Brother Ray gripe? <laughs> Wasn't that fun finding out what a bum our pastor really is? <laughs> no, nobody enjoys it. Number 10, I know my wife would be happier if I did not tell negative things about her than she would be if I did not tell them. I know she'd be happier uh, than, than if I did tell them. And I don't know about you guys, but I like having a happy wife. <laughs> don't you? Wouldn't you rather have a happy spouse? Wouldn't you rather have a happy boss? Wouldn't you rather have a happy coworker? Wouldn't you rather have a happy brother or cousin or relative or neighbor? Or Number 11, most people, at least subconsciously, tend to attempt to become what they've been told they are. You ever, think, you, ever, you ever realize that? Most of us, if somebody tells us you're a, we at least subconsciously tend to kind of try to become that. Well, if that's what I am, that's what I am. And so, you know, so why would I want to pick out something negative about her and go around telling that? Because there's a chance if she hears I told it, she's going to become more and more that way. I'd rather pick out one of her strengths and tell. I'd rather focus on something positive and let her tend to become more of that than pick out one of the negatives and let her tend to become more of that. You know, if your boss at work has a negative trait and you go around telling everybody else at work about his one negative trait or one of his ten negative traits, <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how much he's going to, think well that's what they think I am so that's what I'll be but he's bound to have something positive about him and you say boy not my boss that's not a weakness of your boss that's a weakness of you not being able to find anything positive about him everybody has something positive about them it's up to me and you to find that and if you find the positive about somebody and you emphasize that there's more chance that he's gonna emphasize that and become more of that it's true of your own children. It's true of your family members, your neighbors, 
uh, number number 12. Oh, yeah, that's this one. One of the reasons I don't tell her weaknesses, because I have more than she has. You know, if I need to talk about some weaknesses, I've got plenty I can talk about, about me. I have more than she has, so why talk about hers? Uh, number 13, I don't want anyone using my weaknesses as an example, so why should I use someone else's? Number 14, and I said 14, actually, uh, oh, I know, that morning I wrote down 14 there in that room, but I added two more, so just, just, uh, hang on, I'll, I'll give them to you quickly. Number 14, I've always tried to give my family's weaknesses as much privacy as the uh, other families whose father or husband is not a public speaker. Number 15, I'm afraid it would... Re okay, if I, if I spent my time telling my spouse's weaknesses, I'm afraid it would reveal to those who are thinkers... <laughs> you know, some of us just kind of sit there in the daze and let life go by. <laughs> But some people think, you know, everything they hear and see and they think about it, they analyze it. And I'm afraid if I uh, spend my time talking about my wife's weaknesses, those who think a little bit, it, it would reveal to them my failure to lead my home beyond that problem. You know, if I get up here tonight and say, folks, would you please pray for me? <laughs> I've enjoyed being at this meeting, but i got to go home tomorrow or, or, to, or Wednesday. And when I get home, this is what I have to deal with. Would you please pray for me? I've been married 46 years, and my wife still does and still doesn't do. You know, I'm not revealing her weakness. I'm supposed to be the head of the home. And by the way, when the Bible says I'm supposed to be the head of the home, that's not an appointed position. That's a responsibility that's given to me to earn. Uh, when the Bible says the husband's the head of the home, that doesn't mean uh, he's been elected by Congress and, 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 and appointed to that position. No, that means he's been given that responsibility that he's supposed to live up to. And if I stand up here after 46 years and tell you my wife's still got the same problem now, okay, I'm revealing to you that I have failed to lead my home beyond that problem. I've, I've, been fa I've failed for the last 46 years. And then the last one is this. <laughs> and every man in this room will understand this point. Where if you didn't understand one point yet uh, to, to now, you'll understand this point. The, the, the last reason, the 16th reason I don't uh, talk about my wife's weaknesses is because I'm just smarter than that. <laughs> Do I get an amen from anybody in the room? <laughs> Any of you men? <laughs> finally, finally, after 30, no, almost 40, uh, almost 40 years of marriage, finally, that little, thin, inexpensive, wedding band wore through and broke after almost 40 years of marriage and she brought it to me and showed me look my wedding band broke would you help me get it fixed I said not on your life I said I'm not going to fix that thing I said I'll buy you a brand new one but I'm not fixing that one 
And I said, after all these years, I said, I've put up with that one for 40 years. I said, we're going to get you a new one. We're going to get you a nice one. And at the time, she had a sister that worked at a, uh, at a jewelry store, and she got an employee discount. And, and I said, go down to your sister's jewelry store and pick out whichever ring you want and get her employee discount, and uh, we'll put it on layaway, and we'll pay it off by the month. She went down and picked out a nice ring. I, I don't mean $30,000, but, but a nice ring. And she put it, put, uh, she put it uh, the first month's layaway payment on our, my credit card. And I said, okay, I'll pay it off. I'll probably get it for you within, within a year or so. I think I can get it for you. But what she didn't know was I had a plan. I took six of my guns that I owned, and I took them to a gun show, or I sent them to a gun show. And I said to a friend of mine who was a dealer at a gun show, I, at gun shows, I said, these four guns, I don't really care if I have them or not. I said, they're nice to have, they, they, you, you know, but, but if I don't have them, you know, you know, so what? I said, so price them where you know they'll sell. I said, now these two, I'd really like to have them. <laughs> But knowing that those four might not be quite enough, if you have to sell one of these, but price these to where if they do sell, I at least get some money out of them. Well, sure enough, those four sold. These two didn't. I got them back. And the price of those four guns paid off the greens to the very dollar. But the best gift I've ever given my wife was not that real nice set of wedding bands that she now wears. The best gift I've given my wife, according to her, is that I've never taken away from her her good name. Would you break in your wife's little jewelry cabinet and steal something from her and go hawk it and get you some money? Would you break in your husband's cash box or get in his wallet and steal some of his money that you knew he needed? Now, I know sometimes a wife will need some money and she'll go get some out of her husband's wallet, but there's a difference in would you break into his cash and steal? Would you log into his checking account and, and take money out and go spend it on something frivolous? Would you do that to your brother? Would you do that to your cousin? Would you do that to your neighbor? Would you break in your neighbor's house tonight and steal something out of his house? Would you, would you find out where your boss works and follow him home someday and after he goes to bed one night break in his house and steal something? But we think almost nothing of robbing someone of their good name. And it is rather to be chosen. Now, I'll be honest with you. For years, when I read that verse, I thought, oh, that means that I'm supposed to live in such a way that I have a good name. Uh, and that's more important than earning gold and silver. And that might be part of the meaning of that verse. But that verse is also telling me that I'm a crook just like I stole your gold or silver if I take your good name away from you. I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed.